Mind, Body, and Roll is a podcast presented by a psychologist and a physician discussing issues of the brain and body in roller derby. Although Drs. Coxon and Toubey are both trained professionals, their intent in this forum is solely to educate and inform. The information given in this podcast is not intended to be used as medical advice and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with a trained, licensed medical professional. Mind, Body and Roll is a podcast made by derby skaters for derby skaters. Hey, guys and gals and non-binary pals, and welcome to episode 12 of Mind, Body and Roll, a podcast providing expert insight on the body and brain of a roller derby athlete from your favourite doctors on wheels. I'm Asterisk, a blocker and psychologist. And I'm Spanky, a roller derby jammer and family physician. And today we're joined by a very special guest, uh, one of our teammates at Suffolk Roller Derby, Dr. Indy Hannah-Jones. Hannah, thanks so much for being with us. Will you, will you tell us a little bit about yourself? Tell our so, listeners uh, about yourself. I've been skating for six years now. Wow. And um, I've done a bit of jamming and a bit of blocking. I prefer blocking, less stress. And I've, I've only ever played for Suffolk Roller Derby in, in the UK. What else do you want to know? Um, you're Tell also in a band, your... right? Oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> There's yeah. so many well, interesting things about you. I can't even count them. Okay. Well, so yes, I am in a band called the Interesting Times Gang. We did the theme tune for this podcast. <laughs> um, we did. <laughs> oh yeah. Astrid's in the band. Um, and, um, and I'm a Doctor of, of Archaeology. I work in, in local government, hence the Indy Hannah Jones. Which my, my daughter thinks name. is the coolest name. She's the coolest derby name she's ever heard. So, oh. But we've got a trifecta of doctors then today, haven't we? We've all we got do. doctorates. Finally. Well done us. Hello, doctor. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, so today's episode has been one that I've actually wanted to do for, for quite a long while. But I've also, been, I'm, I've also been a little bit nervous about doing it because I'm afraid I'm going to mess up. And Hannah has assured me that, that I'm not going to mess up because what we're trying to do today is learn a little bit more about transgender issues, particularly in roller derby. And as long as we are all learning, we're probably going to mess up and messing up is actually okay and expected in learning. So that is the point of our, our session today. And so I'll begin my learning and my messing up by just kind of reviewing what I know about transgender medical care. As the uh, medical expert today, um, that's going to be my contribution and then I'm pretty much going to shut up and, and listen. So the, the medical community has a diagnosis that's associated with transgender people and that diagnosis is gender dysphoria. Do my air quotes come through on the sound, right? Gender dysphoria is the medical condition that is associated with a gender non-conforming person feeling distress because of their gender identity. A gender identity is, and gender non-conformity is not a medical diagnosis. It's not a medical illness. It is not written about in any, well, at least currently, in the current medical terminology, it's not, it's not a mental illness. It's a state of being, gender non-conformity. But Gender dysphoria is what I know about and can treat and do things about as a physician. Um, so I would love to go over some of the sort of guidelines around transgender diagnosis and treatment from a doctor's point of view. But does what I've said so far make sense and sound accurate to you guys? What mistakes have I made thus far? No, I think you're fine. I, you know, I haven't actually told your listeners that I'm trans. I was that sitting here thinking that was, was one of the facts. Um, that, um, that's why I'm here. 
Yep. <laughs> no, you're not here as an archaeological consultant. We, we'll just make that clear, <laughs> no, clear to our listeners. No. I mean, I'm Although sure there is some interesting another podcast. roller derby archaeology. Um, I'm not currently aware of that as a specialism. <laughs> we'll, we'll find something, I'm sure. There's a very Between small the challenge team again. there somewhere. But yes, as a trans person, Hannah, do you, so far everything I've said sounds accurate? Yeah, I mean, yeah, essentially. Um, dysphoria is it's kind of a, a broad term, and I wouldn't know the exact bullet-pointed terminology. I know what I felt growing up, which was, it's complicated, because I'm, I'm a bit older. I'm you don't ancient. have to say. Ancient, I never <laughs> say how old no, I but am. <laughs> as, a, as, a, as a millennial, you know, um, kind of came of age as the internet, and an older millennial, um, was, was becoming a thing. So kids these days have way more information. But, you know, when I was, when I was young, I mean, I had a my teenage years were kind of awful and I didn't know why. Also, at the same time, spent my life wanting to be, quote unquote, a girl and didn't realise that was why I felt terrible. You know, what the hell? Kind of, it's looking back, it was blindingly obvious, but it's amazing what you don't know when you can't know other people's minds. Mm-hmm. You know, you spend your life thinking everyone feels the same way as you do. And, mm-hmm. and uh, they don't, who knew? Um, but to medicalize it, and this was, I only realized how dysphoric I was once I actually received hormone therapy was it was like a permanent headache disappeared and I didn't even realize I had this headache because you don't you know you just don't go around asking everyone why they're so much more well adjusted than you are Mm -hmm. um, or whatever Um, that's how it was for me Um, and the whole realization of coming out was was one horrible long mess and then marvelous but there's it's a long story just to clarify it wasn't that yes. you realized you had a gender identity dissonance. You realized that well before you started hormones, but you didn't realize yeah. how bad it had made you feel yeah, until you right. finally felt better, correct? Yeah, yes. Yeah. I think that's, okay. that's, you know, I mean, like I say, people these days, I seem to have a, a much better understanding of it, but um, even not, it's not a new thing, but the, the information was less widespread. So yeah, for me, it was just a case of, um, let's talk about the matrix, because that's it. Yes. Um, you know, we it's written, written by, by, by two trans women and that, that basically, you know, you're, you're going through the world and something is wrong and you don't know what it is, but, uh, you know, something's not right. And that kind of, you know, just, yeah, feeling, I guess. Um, must affect every, everything about your life. I mean, sort of in every way, it must sort of permeate. I mean, it did. Yeah, back then. I've been transitioned a while now and, you know, I kind of don't think about it like I used to, uh, which is you know, awesome. But, but yeah, it, it, it was a big thing that played on my brain. And, you know, when I came to the realization that I had to transition, you know, it just kind of played on it more. And then it, you just kind of relax a bit. It's, it's, it is a long, wonderful process. And in this country, it's very long, but that's another mm. story. Mm. Other medically stuff. I mean, the reason that doctors get involved in anything, um, I mean, there would, there would be no reason for medicine to get involved in gender non-binary people's lives if that feeling and that state of being wasn't causing harm, or pain, or suffering. And the suffering that gender dysphoria causes for people can be really severe. Yeah. I mean, suicide rates are scary um i mean i've the the suicide su- suicidal ideation which is you know 
considering suicide. I think I, I've seen some data that the lifetime suicidal ideation rate for trans people is up to 80%. So, and then the, the attempt rate in adolescents and youth is up to 50%. So that's an extremely high number compared to other, even, you know, other serious psychotic mental illnesses like schizophrenia that is a, 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 even higher than some of those numbers. And so that speaks to the distress that dysphoria can cause people when it's not adequately treated. Yeah, I mean, there's also the the added dimension that um, the stigma and the abuse can be quite severe. You know, um, an awful lot of it isn't, we are this way, therefore we are sad, therefore we have these thoughts. Right. It is, yeah. No. Yeah. people are awful to us. Exactly. You know, yeah, I mean, one of the reasons I put off transitioning for so long was because I thought that was it, you know, this is going to wreck my life. Turns out it didn't wreck my life. <laughs> but, you know, I'm um, reasonably privileged, I suppose, the way we talk about it these days, you know, I'm employed, I'm white, I'm reasonably gender conforming. So um, some people are really, um, some non-trans people, cisgender people are really, you know, really invested in gen gender and that's why they're so affronted by us. Um, so uh, yeah, if, because I, I'm reasonably conforming, I don't often offend their sensibilities have done you know but that's their problem one thing i was going to just chip in there um talking about gender conforming uh, and that, that being kind of up, you use the word quite privileged in, in terms of how you interact with the world yeah reasonably so yeah yeah would would you say then that certain members of the trans community get backlash from from cisgender people who say well you say you're a trans woman but you're not very girly um yeah i mean a lot of a lot of that stuff is is bound up in for some people people who are you know, at their core, anti-trans people, be they trans men, trans women, or non-binary folks, it's not really about gatekeeping or, or it's just about making us go away, you know. So for some, for some people, they'll say, and this included for many years, still does to an extent, medical practitioners, oh, you're not 1950s housewife enough, therefore not really trans. And the flip side is, is if you're too 1950s housewife, very feminine, etc., then you're a parody. That's, you know, that's just changing goalposts to, to hit people with. Mm. So that's, that's a whole other dimension to that. But, but yeah, that's, you know, it depends where it's coming from. If it's just Joe Schmo on the street, that, that can be abusive, that can be dangerous. But if it's medical pr practitioners who are withholding medical care, I mean, it, it really varies from country to country. I find it really interesting that, for example, in the, in the United States, it's much easier to access trans medicine and diagnosis as is my understanding correct me if i'm wrong but it's much more you know you need the money mm -hmm. or the decent insurance whereas over here you can get the treatment but you have to wait and you have to jump through hoops and these are serious waits and serious hoops other countries do it much better you know you could literally go through lists and and, and see what but I, I i don't know enough about that i can really only speak to my own experience one thing that is that is really important to recognize about trans care is that you know there's this idea i think in the in the general public that if someone uh, has gender dysphoria or is gender nonconforming that the goal for them is surgery and they want to turn from what they are what they were born as into you know the other gender and i well, think that's so one of just to, to interject you say surgery which surgery there are right, several right you know and you know different people want different things or don't and i'm guessing that you're probably talking about you know downstairs surgery which well, is a big thing for cis people think about this a lot we think about it as well but cis people seem to fixate on it because i don't know they're really really obsessed with genitals, genitals. <laughs> um but um but they're also really interested in what genitals we have and they think that it, it does or it 
that is the thing that, that defines you as a as a person and a person right. of whatever gender you say you are you know um they'll often say that there are just two but they're wrong um, right and and that's one of the things about so so the the medical community calls the sort of package of of transgender care <laughs> <Sorry>. gender <Package>. affirming <laughs> Oops. Um, it's, you know, gender affirming care, which is, which is not, I mean, the, the, the range of treatments for gender dysphoria. That's, that's pretty good. Yeah. I like, I like that. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, the treatments can, it, for some people, it can just be counseling, not like counseling to turn you into a non-gender, non-conforming person, but counseling to help people feel like resolve any, you know, the discomfort or live with what, how they feel in that body. And then, there's medical therapy, including hormone therapy, and then there's mm-hmm. surgical therapy of various kinds. And, mm-hmm. and any and all of those things can be gender affirming and not all people will choose all stages of those, of those treatments. So there are really specific guidelines. I think most um, medical providers use the World Professional Association for Transgender Health's uh, guidelines in care. And um, there are also some resources through the U.S. Endocrine Society and the um, University of California at San Francisco. And these are all guidelines that anyone who provides transgender care, any medical provider, should be familiar with. And I, I would say I'm sort of probably average-ish in my knowledge about transgender care in that I'm a, I'm a family physician. I, I had very minimal training about it in medical school, but you, you know, as with all things in medicine, you have to learn as you go and learn about the patients that you care for. And I did provide hormonal transgender care in one of my previous practices. And I'm relatively familiar with the guidelines, but there are, you know, there are lots of docs who know way more than me and who live and work in in transgender treatment clinics. And then there are probably lots and lots of docs who have no idea that how to manage transgender patients, but also even how to, you know, interact with transgender patients. And I, I would say on a hopeful note that medical education is improving in this area and that it, the medical community in general, and I feel like I have to apologize, Hannah, for, for any, tra- I have to apologize to every trans person who has ever not felt welcome at a medical practice because um, that is an extremely common feeling. I think like up to at least 30% of trans people have felt, have been told that they would not be seen by a provider because of their gender identity or their gender expression. And I mean, hopefully that's because people were getting care a long time ago and maybe we're better now, but the vast majority of physicians, at least in the U.S., are in favor of gender-affirming care and in favor of access to care for patients. And the list of medical associations um, that, that have explicitly opposed gender discrimination and suggested that gender-affirming care needs to be the norm and needs to be covered is, is humongous. It's the American Medical Association, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, the American Psychiatric Association, the American Psychological Association, the American uh, Medical Association, my professional association, the American Academy of Family Physicians. I'm doing this litany because I want to make sure everybody out there knows that on the whole, the medical standards of care support gender affirming care and access to care for trans people. That is where the science is. So any chatter back out there about how there's not evidence and we don't know and blah, 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 that stuff is not the standard of care and it's not what most physicians and most medical providers and psychiatric and psychological providers believe. I mean, is that ringing true for you, Astrid, hopefully? Um, I'd like to resoundingly say yes, every interaction with every psychologist, um, psychotherapist and counsellor I've ever had has been positive in in favour of uh, the transgender community. But uh, unfortunately, more often than not, I meet a lot of um, people, uh, psychologists and counsellors who are very 
ill-educated in, in terms of transgender issues um, and I consider myself quite a novice. I've, I've learned a lot from you Hannah, I've learned a lot from other friends mainly in the roller derby community about transgender issues and I'm still learning a hell of a lot every single day but I meet seasoned professionals in psychological circles who know less than I do, um, who don't even really know how to navigate pronouns and things let alone any of the nitty-gritty of transitioning i think it's getting better certainly but i think there's still a lot of work that needs to be done i suppose the biggest thing that that everyone needs to remember medical or otherwise is we are who we say we are medically we often i've had to educate my doctors over the years some of them like my um gp family doctor in the state and and uh you know just just simple stuff now luck right now the doctor surgery i'm at great they listen to me when you know doses need checking or changing they kind of understand that i've got experience with this but i've i've you know previous surgeries just don't they they don't like they're worried they're worried they might do something wrong you know which i don't know it's 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 just annoying now because i've been transitioned for years and i kind of know this stuff and it's you know it's not a surgical thing it's just a change in meds or whatever i think that there is there is a worry amongst society and to an extent within medical practitioners like some some people in society they just you know hate us and there's nothing you can do about bigotry you know you can't really argue against it because that's just the nature of it but there's this kind of big problem when cisgender people um, and doctors and you know they're worried about making mistakes you know a lot of these therapies are in the long term or short term if it's the surgical irreversible you know but they don't look at satisfaction rates satisfaction rates for for various gender you know affirming surgeries are higher than i think basically everything and i mean in, in the general public i remember listening uh, there's a, a wonderful uh, way of looking at it kind of an, an, an analogy um which is to help cisgender people understand is we feel like they worry that you know what if this was done to me by by accident could i just walk into you know uh, a doctor's uh, and essentially lie my way into surgeries or hormone therapies that were completely wrong you know that you weren't trans and that is so difficult to happen but the actual way you've got to look at it is is not from that perspective is that happened to us from day one, you know, mm. someone looked downstairs and said, oh, right, this box, you know, and that's, that's not necessarily what toys you play with. It's a bit more complicated than that. But you were put in said box and that box is the wrong box. And if you've been put in the bo- wrong box from, from day one, then it can empathize a bit better. Uh, I've heard that when you explain it that way around to non-trans people, they kind of go, oh, OK, now I understand why you want this done, you know, because it's it can be pretty hardcore, you know, yeah. um, socially and medically. I definitely, I mean, ho- however much you know about the science of the treatment, I still am very nervous about messing up pronouns. And I'm, and I'm always very nervous when I see a patient I haven't met before to sort of adjust hormones. I'm going am I sure this patient needs to be here? And, and it's, it is, it is, I think it comes from, like you said, like, I don't know how other, I can only know how I think and gender identity is, is for the majority of the world. It just seems like such an innate thing that it's just very hard for people to, to put their minds in another person's situation. And I think, I mean, I'm hopeful that, you know, talking about it and thinking about it will eventually make everybody sort of more understanding of it. But it it is, I think it is, I think you're right. It it must be. And it's kind of weird because, I mean, I know where you're coming from is is a good place, a place of understanding and willing to understand. But, you know, one of the, one of the problems that we have as, as a community is that we've been explaining this for decades 
and some people just aren't interested in listening. This is, the, it's not new, but I mean, just on the personal interactions with someone you meet, if you're, if you think they're trans or you, or, and it's relevant, especially to, to medical, just ask, yeah. you know, ask nicely. We can spot an asshole a mile off, you know, <laughs> if someone messes up on pronouns or ask a weird question. Now I'm, like I said earlier, I'm in a very safe, safe position in my life currently. So I make a point, you know, in, in, in my derby league, in my day-to-day life. I mean, I don't talk about it all the time, but if someone asks, I'm pretty happy to, to explain it because I'm in this privileged position. I'm not in, you know, danger of losing my job, say, uh, which, you know, we have protections in the UK. You just got them in the States. Mm-hmm. Nice. But um, it's so, yeah, but just, just ask. I'd apologize if you get it wrong. Now, you might hurt someone's feelings, maybe, but it's better than getting it completely wrong, I suppose, you know? Or just not caring at all. Yeah, right, right, you know. How about we talk about some roller derby? Hannah, you and I have spoken about a roller derby and, and um, transness before. Um, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the reasons that you sought out roller derby in the first place is because you'd heard it was quite a trans positive space. So what, how did your gender identity affect your decision to take up roller derby? Well, it's not the main reason. The main reason is like everyone else of a certain time, um, I saw Whip It and thought it was a good film. Um, but yes, I, I did to an extent seek it out. Well, I'd never liked sport ever at school. I'm not sure if that's wrapped up in my, my transness or not, but it was awful. And I, I'd roller skated a bit as a kid and I thought, well, let's give it a whirl. And so I did and I enjoyed it and the people were nice. Um, so I, I stuck at it and was, you know, not awful at it. So that was fun. That was new. By not awful, she means total badass. She means total badass. She, you yeah. said earlier that you prefer to block than jam. And honestly, when we're at training, I prefer it when you block. Because oh then you're not jamming against because you're not yes. jamming against me. <laughs> I liked what you said earlier, Hannah. You you used the phrase anti-trans. And like hearing that, I could hear that and say, cool, I am not anti-trans. When I hear people say transphobe, I get really nervous because I, I I'm like, sometimes I feel scared. Like not I'm not afraid of you. I'm not afraid of trans people, but I just don't know much about I didn't know a lot of trans people before I did I know any trans people before I started playing roller? Derby? I don't, I, I'm sure I did, but I, I just, I didn't interact with many trans people at all, except in my medical practice. And, and I just, coming into sport, I had a fear of skating with trans skaters. What were you scared about? Well, okay, so, so, and this, I want to hear what you, what you think about this, because I think for a lot of people, so I'm, I'm from a very rural, rural redneck community in Colorado, uh, moved around a lot, like learned a lot of stuff, lived in big cities. But the place where I first started skating was a relatively rural community. And I, there are tons of people who grew up in the same types of places that I grew up in who just, they are exposed to very little diversity of any kind in their lives. And the idea of gender diversity is probably not even on their radar. And so if any of those folks are, are, joining Wufteda Leagues and, you know, look at this gender inclusion policy, it might feel really scary. And, and for me, the scariness was not like, oh my God, trans people are weird and great. It was, I'm a small woman and I'm joining roller derby to play this full contact sport that I've always wanted to play a full contact sport. And what if, what if 
trans people are too big and too scary and they'll hurt me. Like that was my concern. It was, it was sheerly like physical inequality. And mm. I, I was like, is this going to be like skating with dudes? I'd never wanted to skate with men. I just skate with men now and I love it. It's fine. But like that first step, you know, I can, it was, I felt like I was being brave. And so I, you know, my true confession of the night, I was, I was transphobic at that point. What, um, what would you say to women in that position who were like, how does the, how does the physical factor work in, in roller derby? In, in, well, in, hmm, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty tall. I'm not six foot, but you know, I'm pretty tall. I'm kind of big, but I'm not enormous. I don't think, am I? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's odd. Cause I mean, I, I, I've been on, you know, transitioned on hormones for a long time before I started playing roller derby. So, and I joined my league and I was never treated as, as anything other. I don't, not to my face. Um, I only ever played with the, the girls team. I suppose, uh, read the guidelines, but if it's, if it's not something you can't deal with it, tough, tough luck, I guess. Cause you know, um, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of problem with, there are rumblings in UK government about similar bills coming in, possibly like like bathroom bills, like in certain states in the US, something like that to kind of quote unquote protect women's spaces. And what they mean is cisgender women's spaces. And that's kind of, you know, what that says is, is that your concerns are worth more than my rights. And your concerns are unfounded. I mean, certainly I, I, um, I have been knocked on my, my ass by so many cis women playing derby half my size, twice my size, people come in all shapes and sizes, you know, there's, I worry, I worry all the time about some kind of perceived aggression that I have. There is, there are stereotypes of transgender women as aggressive men, obviously as, as aggressive. And a lot of people think that I am a man, you know, and no amount of telling them otherwise will change that. And that's, that's their problem because, you know, I have no time for those assholes, but yeah, I mean, I think ultimately, if if you can't, if you're a cisgender woman and you don't want to skate with trans women, like tough because there are enough groovy, non-transphobic, non-anti-trans cis people out there. You know, I mean, if you really care, go go form your own league. You know, go away. But that's, you know, you just need to get over it, grow up, because most of these things, these, these issues, aren't a problem. You might you might think they're a problem, but it's not, you know. Sometimes I, I think some of this comes down to locus of control, where uh, if people find themselves feeling nervous or inadequate, they tend to externalise that fear onto some exactly. outside force. Of, exactly. I, I feel unsafe or I feel in, incapable in this activity. Well, that must be coming from some external thing. What's the uh, kind of anomaly in this situation? Ah, here's an easy target is the transgender person in, in this space that, that should be this safe women's space and, you know, we need to protect women's spaces. And it then turns into this phobia of other and it's an othering. But yeah, I mean, protect women's spaces. Well, you know, when you say that, you, you mean cisgender women's spaces. Yeah. I, I, um, I just, just to clarify, I do not hold these views at all myself. Oh, no, no, I meant... <laughs> but yeah, no, that one, is, uh, that's, one the, whole, that's the rhetoric, you know, yeah. Um, it's uh, a dog whistle. And you to use the the parlance of the the interwebs and the social. I mean, the um, I'm with both of you guys. Like as far as full rights, bathroom access, all of that other stuff, and and definitely even sports rights. All of those ideas, I'm fully behind. That's why I think I, I felt so much distress about being nervous about skating, because it really it came down to sort of just that one situation and that um, 
for me, the way to sort of get over that was, was, and this was, I think this was actually back when the, the policy still required hormone therapy prior to gender identification. So I, you know, the, the data shows that women post-transition are, are pretty much equivalent to cisgender women as far as, you know, strength and muscle mass and all that stuff. And there's a lot of debate about this in sport, I know. Well, but, I, but I, even anecdotally, that- I used to, I'm, I'm a desk jockey now, but I used to be a, a field archaeologist. And pre, pre-transition, I was kind of a weed. And I could, you know, there's a lot of shoveling and wheelbarrows and dirt and lifting involved in, um, in archaeology. I could lift twice what I did now and I, I had not done any mm-hmm. exercise I'd never been in never seen it you know I'd seen gyms but I've never been in one and now <laughs> I I work out because of derby I'm probably within reason probably the best shape I've ever been in certainly strength wise and prior to transition like I'm you would, just your prior your pre-transition self would kick your post-transition ass yeah yeah and yeah uh, i mean but even even you know that that was that was sort of what made me feel feel comfortable initially being like okay well and and you're absolutely right astrid that this was it was me being like screwing up my courage to do this full contact sport as a you know 30 plus year old woman like oh my god am i really brave enough to do this i needed to tell myself it's okay you'll be safe and i think since then now the, the the gender policy now has changed if you pre-transition you if you identify as as a woman you are skating on a a women's team that's and i'm i'm not scared anymore because (laughs) what i've learned is that roller derby is a full contact dangerous sport and you're you know if you're going to get hurt it's not because the person you happen it's it has nothing to do with the gender or gender identity or gender expression of the person you're skating against because people get hurt all the time so you know i skate with men now and um, you know, you just have to be brave. If you're going to play this sport, you have to be physically brave because you you could get hurt. And the, putting that like fear onto another person, that's not what roller derby is about. So I'm, I mean, weirdly with the as, new policies. As, as someone who skated um, women's teams, um, guested with for the men for a year um, on our men's team. And I was on our, I was our open to all team captain for a while, like mixed gender teams. The, the thing I find interesting about the difference between skating with men and women is not hormonal. It's in the head. I mean, if we're talking massive generalizations, because that's, you know, but, you know, if you want to stereotype the, you know, you often hear talk of Merby and, and that kind of different way of playing that men do. Well, in, in my experience, yeah, it's, it's, it's not hormone related. It's just, it's in your brain. Like, I, would, um, I would agree. You know, the, just the, the nature of how you play. But I mean, it's it's complicated. And again, it's don't be a dick, you know. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I always worry. I mean, you two would agree. I can be aggressive on track. And that, that I find, you know, worrying. I have perceived in the past that perhaps I was getting more penalties because of my aggression, you know, and I wondered whether it was to do with my transness. But, you know, I'm also just tall and... You know, um, one of my my teammates, she's cisgender, she's tall and she hits hard and she gets lots of penalties. So uh, maybe it was a thing, who knows, but it's not worth worth worrying about. Have you ever felt like actively excluded or discriminated against in roller derby because of your gender identity? Um, no, not, 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 in, not in derby. I think derby is a, a very inclusive place, even though Suffolk is a rural non-cosmopolitan place you know I, th- I think 
even then, for the most part, people were perhaps clumsy here and there. But like I say, um, in my experience, I've always, you know, in my position, I'm, I allow people to be clumsy around me so that they don't necessarily need to be accidentally or, or intentionally mean to someone else. You know, I, I think I'm strong enough to take it. I mean, yeah, I've, I've been misgendered. That's never quite sure that that has happened. Um, that's, that's a punch in the gut, but um, that's, I don't think it was necessarily intentional. I've had, yeah, I mean, from day one in the, the women's team, I, my gender was respected. But then, like I said, I was, I was reasonably gender conforming. I was certainly more, more so when I started Derby because I wanted to present this image to the world for my own ease which I navigated the world. I've certainly, <laughs> Derby has made me dress more like a, uh, <laughs> I don't know, um, stereotypical Derby lesbian. Derby. Yeah, you know. Derby skink. <laughs> you know, that's, that's just, oh, my mum, bless her, she was, oh, darling, you, sh- you could have been such a pretty, pretty thing. And uh, like, <laughs> now you dress like one of those awful Derby girls. Yes, thanks, mum. And um, yeah, um, but I'm, I've noticed a few things. I've noticed... Every now and then, and this is something other trans women have noticed, when people overdo it. I have been hey girled a few too many times and wow gorgeous and I was like, okay, thank you. Thank you for othering me. I know that's you're That's just how I am, okay, Hannah? That's just how I talk. Shut <laughs> up. It's, it's not you. Um, <laughs> Perhaps people overcompensating to, to kind of signal that yeah, they are. You know, and, and I'm groovy with this. I'm cool with this, yeah. And I appreciate that that comes from a good place you know but honestly um if there was any any trouble uh, our league handbook's pretty good with the guidelines the ukrda guidelines to my knowledge are all pretty pretty solid so it's it's on paper other example yeah i suppose when i've sometimes noticed problems it wasn't about me it's actually weirdly about other trans skaters i remember once because i was like i said i was reasonably conformist to people's ideas of of what a woman is like quote unquote that you know I was pulled aside and asked if I could help another trans skater who they thought didn't conform in the way and like and mm-hmm. they again came from a good place but whoa you know that was let them be themselves they are who they say they are and that kind of made me think that ultimately the respect they offered me was conditional that's mm-hmm. That's that's a sucky thing to yeah. to realise. Like a more insidious insidious form of transphobia, really. As yeah, as it's an expectation um, of what we expect a female presenting person to look like or act like. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, I'm in a in an odd place is that I'm entirely open about who I am, but some people get it straight off, and some people know, know I'm trans without me telling them um, straight away, and others don't. God knows why. You know, it's a uh, mystery to me um but um so that can sometimes you know well like i was saying you know sometimes people tell you things when they they think how do you describe you know when they don't realize they're talking to a trans person Hmm. and that can be sometimes interesting i think i've been remarkably lucky there Mm -hmm. is a lot of anger right now i think from the trans community like it you're right this has been this has been a thing for a really long time like why don't you people get it that we're like here and we are who we say we are and to me sometimes what i see on social media makes me feel so nervous about screwing up or trying too hard or getting it wrong and so it's nice to hear you say that it's okay and that you understand that you know some of us are still not as remarkable as you be nice apologize ask google is your friend I also think the new gender inclusion policy, it kind of makes it easier because there are so many skaters who are gender non-conforming it's it's just much easier to just 
you know, when you step on a track with someone, if they're there and they want to be there and they think they belong there, then just to be like, okay, I don't, you know, you don't have to, there's no, there's no league worrying. There's no wondering like, oh, is that, does that, I wonder how many years that person's been on hormones. Like you just get to skate and not worry about it. So in some ways, well, in, in every way, it's a better policy for our sport. So I've had dick moves on track from, from people of all genders. I've probably done a few myself. I would like to hope that they weren't intentional. They definitely weren't intentional. Any future ref. All right. So lessons for the day about transgender humans and skaters and people that we love in roller derby are, well, number one, just don't be an asshole and accept people for who they are, exactly who they say they are and know they are. That That is who they are. And that's how roller derby is and should be. And that's how the world should be. Uh, Google is your friend. Oh, yes. <laughs> Google is your friend. If you don't know learn um, and we're there. all human we all make mistakes um, but the important thing is to apologize and grow from it I think that's what you were saying earlier Hannah would that be fair yeah I think so um, I guess close my thought is that trans people um, are under attack from the religious right in the United States so-called feminists in the UK who are funded by the religious right from the United States there is an, an epidemic of the murder of trans women especially trans women of uh, color, black trans women in, in the United States and, and other places. And I guess, despite the fact this was a pretty cheery conversation and I was um, reasonably relaxed, cis people, non-trans people stick up for us because an awful lot of governments don't listen. Part of the reason I think Derby is inclusive of trans people is because a lot of the non-trans people are pretty cool. And if the rest of the world or, you know, and society was, was that groovy, then that might influence laws better. So stick up for your trans siblings. Done. Done. Absolutely done. Ongoing. Um, Hannah, thank you so much for being with us. Like I said, I mean, I genuinely, you are a remarkable person. I'm so glad you're that I got to meet you. And For the record, um, Spanky has sung, sung your praises there. I'm quite fond of you too, and I would like to keep you in my life, if that's all right. The, um, <laughs> I, I saw, those, saw those tweets the other day and um, actually brought tears to my eyes. So, um, and, you know, oh, yeah, it meant a softy. lot. So thanks so much, everyone, for listening. Um, we do welcome you, as always, we welcome your comments, your questions, um, further discussion about this. We'd love to hear more from you guys. Um, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, that's at mindbodyroll our website with all the show notes and everything and further reading is at mindbodyroll.wordpress.com and you can email us directly at mind.body.rollerderby at gmail.com i've been asterisk i've been spanky i've been hannah and you've been listening to mind body and roll Body and Roll is written, produced, and hosted by Amy Toubay and Astrid Coxon, with music written and performed by the Interesting Times Gang. Find our episode notes and more at mindbodyroll.wordpress.com.